radio? Yes, talk radio. So boring, man. Okay. Trying to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry scores! Corey Perry! September 22nd, it's the Laced Up Hockey Podcast, and uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm Jim Skull. Oh, I'm uh, I'm Bruce Battaglia, and I'm hearing that uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs are signing uh, Alex Petrangelo, one year, uh, freaking uh, $700,000. Did you guys hear about this? It's to come home um, and play, to play at home. You know, in fucking downtown Toronto, where he's from. Yeah, well, you know, it's uh, it's King City. You know, that's it's really that's it's just one of the streets, I think, in <laughs> in downtown Toronto. Yeah, you so you you could tell me that King City is like a a fucking strip mall at the edge of uh, at the end of Young Street, and I would believe you. Like, I don't know the difference. Hmm. You okay. you like. It, it would have been a good exercise had we known we were going to talk about this. You could have given me a quiz on whether or not these are real neighborhoods of Toronto and just made shit up. And, like, you could have said fucking Wakanda. And if I hadn't have even seen that movie, I probably would have been like, yeah, I don't know. Like, maybe. <laughs> um, it's right by, uh, it's right by yeah, uh, it's freaking next Chinatown. To, it's next to the, um, the Chipotle's. The Ukrainian yeah. village. Yeah. yeah. How's how's it going? How are you? Oh, you know what? Not not too bad for uh the day after the Cooch Cunny. So Yeah. 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 I well I guess yeah, it's time. Yeah. Uh yeah. The Cooch Cunny was yesterday. Um golf tournament that James and I are in every year. Uh freaking Alzheimer fundraiser. It's, it's a good time. They do a great job, put on by a couple doctors. Um, I am, I was not hung over today, but I did not sleep well and I, I did work all day and it's past my bedtime. So, uh, if you hear me and I sound a little under the weather, not sick, not hung over, just tired. Hmm. Hmm. Okay. Well, uh, the important thing is that, uh, you know, we had a lot of fun yesterday and, and, and raised some money at the same time, which is always, it's always nice. You know, it's always nice to, to raise money. For, yeah, we did a great job raising yeah. all that money that we raised. I like fifty percent of the booze sales went to right. No, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to looking uh, to paying my statement for my golf membership at the end of the end of the month. I'm probably gonna golf like twice or th- maybe three times at best this month, and and uh, I'm expecting my bar tab to be as much as it was 
for each of the previous four months when I was golfing like 25 times a month or something. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Well, best of luck to you and your uh, wallet there, you know, on that one for sure. But thank you. Yeah. Um, gonna need it. Yeah. Well, um, Speaking of uh, gonna need it, uh, the Tampa Lightning might uh, might need Steven Stamkos before the uh, mm-hmm. end of the Stanley Cup Finals. Uh, this is a hockey podcast, and this is Stanley Cup Finals, so there's not uh, a lot of games to talk about. Um, but we've we've got a couple. I, I guess there's a couple at this point. Uh, the game two has now concluded, um, mm-hmm. best of my knowledge. Uh, but uh, after game one, yeah, it's final. Uh, after game one, looking looking pretty dicey for the big. Uh, the big Eastern Behemoth uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, who yeah. uh, who lost to the tune of th- three to three to one, I believe, in game one, four to one, four to one, uh, four one yeah. Dallas in game one. Um, I, I, I didn't get to watch the whole game. I, I caught the I caught the important parts, the highlights, if you will. Um, by all accounts, was a, a game that Tampa was never really in. Um, you know, you don't know if it's no. Uh, you know, game one jitters. It's a Stanley Cup. You know, it's you, you've made it this far. Uh, it, it's been a grueling battle. Uh, obviously, this is a team that we've talked about. They've been they've been pretty banged up uh, the whole way through, but they looked really outmatched in game one. Uh, came out pretty flat to a uh, by all accounts prepared, mentally tough Dallas Stars team. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, I don't I don't really know. Uh, what there is to be to be shocked about in this series, really. Um, like I guess there's there's no real point in me talking about the series, uh, without first giving my initial thoughts going into it, because uh, we never did get to do a, a preview. But I mean, I don't really know what they're like. I don't know how you do a preview for one series. Uh, so that would like we didn't do it, but um, I I. I'll stay true to my prediction. I took stars in five, um, and it's nothing to do with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, like a knock on their team specifically, it's to do with the fact that they are as banged up um, as a team I can remember in the Stanley Cup Final since the last time Tampa Bay was in the Stanley Cup Final. Like, I, I can't remember a team making it to a Cup Final where it's just like... Yeah, but they like they don't have anything left in the tank, though, do they? And it's it's one of those situations where uh, if Tampa finds a way to win this series, it's going to be more of a, a comment on just how good they actually are um, than it is like you know what I mean. Them actually being uh, rested and, and healthy because they're not like they're 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 about as unhealthy as they really could be right now. Like they've still. Missing one of their best forwards for the whole playoff. They have, um, you know, uh, what some people feel is one of the best defensive forwards in the league. And Anthony Sorelli, who's not healthy right now and arguably shouldn't be playing. There's Braden Point, has clearly got something going on with his groin or something lower body-ish. Kucherov can skate, but he can't shoot the puck at all right now. Um, so, I mean, like, those are, those are pretty big names that, you know, you watch the games and they don't look right, but, um, and I'm not saying Dallas is 100% healthy, but I just do think Dallas's style sort of lends them more to, um, 
to be the better team in this series if Tampa's not playing up to their full strength. So, I mean, Tampa won tonight. I didn't watch the game. I uh, I had to work, so I, I didn't get to see any of it. But, um, like, by all accounts, the numbers are, like, literally as even as the game could have fucking possibly been, pretty much. So, um, I, I, I don't really know that it's fair to say that Tampa Bay dominated tonight. I, I don't know if they did or they didn't. But regardless, it looks like uh, if Tampa Bay can hang in there, it should be a pretty good series, because I think Tampa Bay at 80% uh, is still a pretty good team, but um, I just think Dallas's style is meant to beat Tampa Bay, and ordinarily I would have said maybe in seven, but I, I think because of the injuries, it's more like five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's it's interesting. I, I'm going through the, the, the game summary right now as we speak, and it looks like Dallas, by all accounts, had a, a, a rough minute and a half or a couple minutes there in the first where Tampa gets three quick ones in succession. And, and then essentially... Mm-hmm. Two on the power play, too. Right, and, and essentially that that's that's just that's just the end of the game. You know, like Dallas, they looked like the better team the second half, but by that point, it just they, they didn't have enough, uh, perhaps, to get over the hump there. Uh, they made it close, you know, coming back. Uh, one goal game in the third yeah. there, but... Uh, and they'll... They'll tend to do that too, they right? Will. Like I was having the conversation with someone today about how uh, you know Tampa Bay. They, basically, the person said that Tampa Bay can win a game in in five minutes, and Dallas can't really do that. And I said, well, they've done it multiple times in the playoffs, though. Like they they've multiple times they've literally just like I've turned off games, and all of a sudden Dallas is fucking up by three, and it's like how did that happen? They've done that several times in these playoffs where they've just been out of the game. And like they must, they must have almost half of their wins be like come from behind wins. Like it feels like, like they are just constantly like trailing right away. It feels like, and then they end up winning the fucking game. Like they just they hang around, they don't go away. They're very pesky, and uh, but but in that sense, like you're right. Like they made it close, but it was one of those things where I saw it was three nothing. Like five minutes left in the first, and I'm thinking to myself, like yeah, like there's. That's a lot of time to give the Dallas Stars, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, it is, and I saw a stat earlier in the playoffs. It was talking about Dallas this season in one goal games, and and they their record in one goal games was phenomenal. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was you know something to the tune of you know like twenty wins and three losses. You know what I mean? Just just an absolutely insanely ridiculous stat. In, in one goal games and and you know a, a lot of that's going to be overtime and going back to the regular season a lot of that is the shootout as well but it just shows a you know when you, when you get into situations like that where you can win those types of games it's it's a it's a resiliency factor and and I think uh, I think this Dallas Stars team is is not one that we're going to be uh, sitting back and talking about uh, you know getting absolutely shelled you know seven goals uh, you know down by four or five at the uh, at the end of the game uh similar to how we kind of saw the islanders who in a lot of people's minds play a very similar game to dallas like, you know the islanders and dallas were often compared as these two tight checking defensively uh you know minded teams and uh and and then we, we saw obviously what tampa did to to the islanders last round i i don't know i, I don't i don't really think we're gonna have that problem with dallas at any point um that's not to say that Tampa can't play that kind of game because we we saw it. They they can put a bunch of goals on the board, but well, Dallas adjusts. Yeah, they're, they're good at that. 
and that's the difference right between the stars and the islanders is the is the stars you know if they want to play that shut you down kind of style like they do have that high end talent that when um you know like when they're when they're given an opportunity they actually have the guys that can finish the play right like i i i remember hearing this week Ryan Lambert make a point about how um, you know, like Montreal has really good advanced stats and, and that's great and that's all well and good and it doesn't mean that they're a bad hockey team, um, that they can't get it done, but the reality with Montreal is they don't have any high-end finishers. They don't have any elite players that are constantly 30, 40 goal scorers, you know, 70, 80 point guys that can necessarily get it done. They have a lot of inconsistent guys that you know, in reality, have not really ever proved themselves as dominant players at the NHL level when it comes to their forwards. And so, you know, a team like Montreal is constantly going to get bounced eventually in the playoffs because, you know, after a while, like, making the games close only means so much. Eventually, you need to do something with those close games. Eventually, you need to find a way to score. And that's the problem with the Islanders, is the Islanders don't like, also don't really have any high-end talent on their forward group aside from Matt Barzell, and you can even make, you know, an argument there. So, um, you know, like, it just sort of makes sense that they would be the team uh, that eventually would fall casual to Tampa Bay, but, I mean, I I don't... I have more faith in Dallas. Like, you're right, they play a similar style, but I think Dallas has um, just more elite talent on their roster, and... and they can afford to play that style and still get rewarded once they create those mistakes. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, they're, they're the type of team that can kind of play whatever game that you want to play. And, and I think we've seen that a lot of, you know, out of Rick Bonus's team this, this season where they, they get in the position where, you know, we're going to, Oh, you know, when you slug it out, we're going to, you know, make this a one goal final. Fine. We'll do that. You, oh, you want to, you know, yeah. run and gun. Yeah. Okay. We can do that too. So, it's a scary team. They're not afraid to open it up, right? No. Like that was the thing with uh, that was the thing um, with Jim Montgomery's version of the team, and it's not a slight to Jim Montgomery's coaching in uh, in Dallas, but he he you know they were very much a win two to one every night kind of team, and and under Rick Bonus, you know this could come back to haunt them eventually, but it's more you're right, like very much been. Uh, you know, what kind of team are they going to be tonight? Like almost a Jekyll and Hyde sort of situation with Dallas. And um, that's hard to coach against. It's hard to play against too. Yeah. Uh, I mentioned it off the top of the uh, the, the, the transition. Um, you know, will we see Steven Stamkos? Obviously after game one, Tampa gets the loss. There's uh, some buzz in the air. Would they rush him back? Would they, you know, do they, do they think they need him in this series? Uh, he didn't play game two. Uh, John Cooper uh, keeping things pretty tight lip about uh, his captain and, and and what the expectations are for him moving forward in the in the remainder of the series. He seems to be close. You know, we've seen the videos, we've seen the photos. He's on the ice. He's practicing. He's taking part in uh, you know limited line rushes and and stuff like that. Um, but you know, there's there's this aura around Steven Stamkos that. You know the Tampa Lightning. If they oh, if they can get Steven Stamkos back, it's gonna it's gonna really change the makeup of this team. And and I saw something interesting today, and I thought I'd get your take on it because uh, I'm not sure I necessarily agree with it, but I, I never had I perhaps noticed in the past. Uh, Steven Stamkos, not a great playoff numbers guy. Uh, the, by all accounts, he's 
He's uh, his production in in um, in the playoffs has not been great. Uh, he had the uh, the the lone point back in 2015, the last time the the Lightning went to the Stanley Cup Finals in that series. Um, and 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 while it is an archaic statistic, uh, you never want to be a minus player, you know, a minus ten in his playoff career, which is uh, neither really here nor there. But you know, worth worth mentioning when when you're looking at a larger sample size and. And I think the playoffs might apply to that. But do do you think a is is Steven Stamkos uh, headed towards that Alex Ovechkin, Joe Thornton type reputation as one of these guys that that can't get it done? And and b if he can come back, um, is he going to be a factor in this series? Because we we're obviously talking about a guy that's missed a lot of time. He's missed. He hasn't played hockey uh, at, at a competitive level in in a few months now. And and based on his history and, and what the numbers might tell us, uh, is this a guy that we should even be getting excited about? Um, well, I mean, if he's healthy, yes. Because, um, you know, they're, he, like he'll be the healthiest player in the Stanley Cup final, conceivably. And uh, he's certainly going to be the most rested. So, uh, arrested Steven Stamkos in a bubble, like, scares the living shit out of me if I'm, if I'm another team, for sure. Um, you know, I, I, uh, the numbers are definitely there to support the, the argument of what you're saying there, of, of him not being a playoff player, but, you know, there are a lot of arguments in life that you could make just because, you know, like, for the sake of making them, that doesn't make them a good argument, and, uh, the the problem that I have with that is, you know, this is kind of insane to say, because he's uh, 30 years old, but we don't really have a very big sample size of Steven Stamkos in the playoffs, though. Like, that's the only thing. He's uh, he's had three deep runs, and uh, um, yeah, he was nowhere to be found in the Stanley Cup Final the one year, but he was hurt. And so, you know, whether that's his fault for playing or whoever, like, there's no real need to, uh, you know, chalk that up to anything specifically. My point is just that um, he's had three deep playoff runs and uh, only, like, two of them do we know that he was maybe healthy in. Um, You know, he was on a largely bad uh, team his first five years, pretty much. And then, uh, you know, during this newer version that we now know of them with, you know, fucking Hedman and Tyler Johnson and, um, you know, that core, uh, you know, they've, they've had their moments. They, they haven't really had that deep playoff run, but I don't really think that, uh, there's an, there's much of a case at this point to make that argument about Stamkos and, um, it might be easy to do that by the end of his career because if it happens a few more times where they miss the playoffs next year and you know he's hurt again when he's 32 and all of a sudden Stamkos is 33 without a cup really doesn't have a playoff resume and then yeah maybe he gets into that Thornton uh, sort of conversation and uh, it's not that I really buy that argument with Thornton either it's just there's definitely more evidence to support the whole he disappears in the playoffs thing. Uh, for me than Stamkos. I think uh, Stamkos is unfortunately a guy who, uh, at 30 years old, has the playoff resume of, uh, like, a 24-year-old. It's 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 kind of tough to, to break it down that way, I think. Yeah, it's interesting, because, like I said, um, he never really gets, this, like, the same treatment. 
and maybe that is part of uh, part of, of what you're talking about, where you know he just hasn't really been healthy. He hasn't had a lot of uh, you know kicks at the can as say an Ovechkin, who you know every year for a while there was making the playoffs and they'd get the second round and then that was it. And yeah, or Joe Thornton. Well, that was who goes the whole thing year, with right? Thornton, right? Yeah, yeah. Th- like they were there every year and favored every year, and it's like. You know, again, going back, like, how how many years has Steven Stamkos uh, been healthy in a Tampa Bay Lightning uh, roster um, where they were expected to do damage? Like, like twice? Maybe three times now kind of thing? Like, um, you know, I guess, I guess 2018 they weren't the favorites, but you could have seen them winning the Cup. Last year they should have been the favorites. Twenty fifteen they weren't the favorites, but they were. They got to the cup final. Like those are really the only three years, right? He he plays game seven against Pittsburgh in two thousand sixteen. Uh, literally just because they were trying to get the team going. Like he was not healthy. If anyone watched the game, under no circumstances should he probably have been playing. But they rushed him back and. Um, you know, whatever, it was a nice story. I mean, like, he's one of those guys, too, like, it's just, he gets the narrative of being made of glass at this point, too, and it's like, the guy has had so many different injuries, and if you really look, actually hasn't missed that amount, like, that in, that, an insane amount of games, really, over his career, really, so, um, it's always the isn't really a guy. That's that's part of the the thing, That's the thing, right? Like, he he misses fucking... Sixty-five games in twenty seventeen. Yeah, I fuck. I understand that, and and you know, missed a half a year in twenty fourteen. Like, I get that. You know, those are alarming things, but, um, you know, like it's just it's it's not one of those things where like, because the argument when you say a guy is a bandaid, essentially the argument is that uh, that he's not in good shape. That's that is what that argument means, and to argue that Steven Stamkos isn't in good shape. That's that I don't I don't get how anyone could possibly think that, you know, he's just had a lot of really bad luck. He's had the same injury twice in one instance, but that's about it. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I don't I don't I don't really see him being a factor at any point moving forward in this series. Um, I hope he comes back. I hope it's under the right pretenses. I don't want to see him forced back into a game six when his team's you well, know, back is against the wall and. What I'll say to answer your initial question was, do I think he would be a factor? I do, because uh, the biggest problem up until tonight has been Tampa Bay's power play uh, all of a sudden um, was lacking a shooting presence, and it's just sort of funny how, uh, like, Nikita Kucherov all of a sudden can't shoot the puck. I wonder wonder what could be wrong with him. So, um, you know, they need literally someone that can just shoot the puck, and uh, provided that he's healthy, that's one thing Steven Stamkos should be able to do. Um, and even if he's not healthy, probably can do better than just about anyone on Tampa Bay. Like, that's kind of the, the, the most fucked up thing to me about Tampa Bay, is to think how good they are in every regard. And we think of them as this crazy offensive team. They don't really have a lot of, like, one-shot scorers after Steven Stamkos. Like, it's kind of just Kucherov. And, like, a lot of guys that don't have a great shot. Like, Hedman. You know what I mean? But it's just weird. Like, they, they don't really have any, like, snipers. Um, 
aside from one guy that's out right now and another guy who I, I feel like his fucking shoulder's dislocated or something in Kucherov. So, they could use someone to shoot the puck is all I'm saying, right? Like, like you know, if Point's healthy, maybe you put him on that list, but I, I know he's not healthy either. Yeah, you're right. It would definitely, at the very least, it would, you know, maybe jumpstart the power play. Um... They just, they've been forcing guys in the middle in that bumper spot that just can't play there. Like, Tyler Johnson just doesn't have the shot to play there, and that's fine. doesn't make him a bad player, but you don't need to play him there. Yeah, yeah. But you do need to play him there because you don't have Stamkos. It's, well, you know, you're exactly right. It's, it's... Uh... You gotta play someone there. Someone has to do the job. Someone's got to pick up the the slack here. And and hey, you know what? They're in the Stanley Cup Finals. They got there without these guys, uh, or at least you know without a couple of them. And um, they're getting some depth goals. You know this this team has kind of found a way to to score more than one way. And and if it's working for them, you know my hats off to them. But you're you're, you're right. They are missing that that big uh, that big presence, that big you know shot first type of guy that uh, that maybe puts them over the edge. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, in a series, and in and, and a series now that looking forward, um, you know, to to the future. Now uh, we're down to a best of five. Uh, we've gotten one win up up a piece uh, out of both these teams. Um, I know we didn't really have any sort of lead up or or preview for the finals, but uh, two games in, do, do you have a do you have a favorite? Did did you have you know someone in mind before the series that maybe? Uh, I'm not so sure anymore. You know, maybe I've shifted my my focus. Uh, these aren't the two teams I thought they were uh, coming into this uh, final Stanley Cup uh, series. Well, again, like what I said earlier was I I took Dallas in five, and I I don't necessarily know that I agree with the five uh, prediction quite as much. But I mean, it was one of those things tonight where like if Tampa Bay can do again what they did tonight then that's great. But if tonight was the best that Tampa Bay can put forward against Dallas, like, this is done in five. I I don't see Tampa Bay winning a game like tonight again. I just don't see how it happens. If it's an an even game, I think Dallas is going to win. It's going to take Tampa Bay to get their style going and to to be the, you know, the aggressors from the opening faceoff control the puck, control the play, control it from the get-go, because that's more so how it is for them, but if 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 you're going to let Dallas, if you're going to give Dallas an inch is all I'm saying, they're going to they're gonna take it, and you're going to want it back, and you're not going to get it back, so that's my whole thing is I just think that uh, I just think Dallas is, is kind of structured to beat Tampa Bay and um I think that that might have happened over the course of a seven-game series. I definitely think now with Tampa Bay being as banged up as they've been, like I said, I I don't remember a team uh, being this visibly hurt in a Stanley Cup final since the last time Tampa Bay was there. So I still think Dallas is going to win, uh, but it might be in six now instead of five. Like, we'll see. Uh, regardless of who wins this series, uh, for the first time ever, uh, we will have... A Stanley Cup champion that needed more than 16 wins to take home Lord Stanley. Uh, yeah. COVID, there it is. COVID, of course, rewriting all of the there it is. books. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know what the craziest thing, too? Like, I, I, I saw the stat. I can't remember the exact number. But it was one of those, um, like, Tampa Bay has played, 
like not not the play-in games. Like I'm not counting that for either of these teams. But Tampa Bay has what like uh, coming into the series, 15 games they've played in the playoffs, maybe 16. And Dallas was up to something like 20 or 19. But Tampa Bay has played like two or three more games than Dallas because of all their fucking overtimes. Oh yeah, like it, that. Yeah, yeah. That's just wild to think about. The Tampa Bay like. When you look at their series and you all you pay attention is to how many games they won, uh, and it, you know what I mean, in how many games. Like, it looks like they've been moving through the playoffs with relative ease. When in reality, like, I know I just keep saying this, they are fucking banged up, like, beyond belief. So, you know, it's just, it's, it's, I'm not saying it's wrong, but it just, it it is a little shitty in some regard that, the way our playoffs work is that it's a war of attrition to the to the level that it is because, like, it's just like I feel like Tampa Bay deserves to win a Stanley Cup at some point, and I have no doubts that if they don't win this year, that they are 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 already uh, the best team of my lifetime to not win a Stanley Cup. Like, if they find a way to not win it with this core, uh, even if they blew it up and rebuilt now. Instead of going for it for a few more years, they're still the best team in my lifetime to never win a cup, I think. Like, it's just... I just don't get it. It's just so... It's shitty, because I actually, I actually kind of like Tampa Bay. Like, I don't have any ill will against them. I love Steven Stamkos. I want him to win a Stanley Cup, but... Um, like, it's just fucked. Like, they, they're just... Every year, they're, they're something for them, and it's crazy. It's not... It's never... I can't remember an instance where I felt like they choked. It's just always something. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, for, for me, uh, this, this, this is down to two guys um, in terms of the Conn Smythe race. Now, you, you, you tell me if I'm missing some, someone obvious here. Uh, we've come to the point now we're two games in. Obviously, a lot of, a lot of things can change. Uh, we've, we've seen it in years past where you, you think someone's got it in the bag and then they turn around and, you know, we're going to give it to Phil Kessel instead or, you know, wh- whoever. Or not. Uh, or not. Um, but is to me, it's it's down to Hedman versus Kadobin. Uh, I think those are the two guys that have, have respectively been the MVPs of, of these two teams uh, throughout the playoffs. Hedman obviously picking up, like I said, a lot of the slack here. Uh, they missed point there for, for a while. They, they haven't had Stamkos all series. You've alluded to Kucherov being... Uh, uh, by all accounts, probably hurt in some capacity, um, and and every night it's Victor Hedman that goes out there and he's steady Eddie and he's you know two more points tonight and and just playing some of the best hockey I've ever seen him play uh, in in his yeah. career. And then on the on the flip side, Anton Kudobin, like ooh, we we were we talking about this guy like five months ago uh, for the Dallas Stars in any capacity, you know, not really. Like this this not is, really no, you know like. The the only real Hudobin conversation that would come up five, six months ago was if you were discussing uh, what teams have the best one-two punch in net, like Dallas would come to mind. But, you know, we weren't sitting here talking about Hudobin being like a top ten goalie in the league or anything like that. And we're still not, but uh, he's been, yeah, I, I think, I just think with Hudobin that he's been every bit as good as, as you should have expected him to be, though. Like, like I don't. I don't really think he's doing anything particularly 
incredible. Like, I, I just, I think he's playing like Anton Hudobin does, and I, I just, uh, maybe he didn't get enough credit from a lot of people would be, I guess, my thought. But um, he hasn't been, like, otherworldly for the most part for me. Uh, he's had his moments, but um, the Con Smythe race, yeah, it's, it's, um, it would be tough to go anyone other than Hudobin if Dallas wins. Um, you know, the only other guy really for me would be Heiskanen. Um, but I think Hudobin's got him beat there. Uh, for Tampa Bay, I don't know if it's quite as cut and dry for me. I, I still think it's Hedman, uh, for me. Um, I, I definitely understand the Braden Point argument, and I wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't argue if he won it, really. But one guy that I I don't typically compliment very much, because I don't, or at least until now, didn't think he was particularly all that good, but uh, Andre Vasilevsky has, has done, uh, has put together a collective playoff that I, I, I just, the idea that he can go in and play these fucking long-ass overtime games and then they just go right back to him in an NHL where all the data suggests that they shouldn't be doing that. Like, all these other teams are going and being like, wow, well, you know, he's tired, you know, we have to start fucking, uh, you know, freaking Pavel Fransuz, uh, uh is out, so we have to start Michael Hutchinson, you know? Like, well, you don't have to, but alright. Uh, I like the fact that Tampa Bay just keeps, like, John Cooper just keeps saying... Uh, yeah, no, like, we're just gonna go back to Vasilevsky, and that's, you know, why would we do anything else? And it's like, yeah, of course. You know, like, like it's it's just the idea that this guy will play eight overtimes, or, sorry, eight periods, and then have, like, 40 hours to rest, and then they just throw him back in the net, and it's like, okay, <laughs> that's pretty cool. So, I, I think he's been very, very good in these playoffs. I think he deserves... Uh, some recognition, but he won't win the Conn Smythe, and, 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 you know, un- unless he absolutely stands on his head the next three games, but uh, he's been very impressive, is all I'm saying, so I don't think it's down to two guys necessarily for me, but I, I would say that you definitely have the two right guys prioritized there. For sure. Um, you know, Vasilevsky, you, you definitely argue, every, every year, no matter which two team makes it, both goalies are going to be in the conversation, and unless we start Usually. seeing uh, more and more of this, uh, you know, one one A one B type of situations where uh, you know a team feels they can rely on their secondary guy for a couple games, uh, it, it's always going to be uh, the two goalies. Vasilevsky is a great pick. Don't get me wrong; like uh, you're right, the, the the workload that that guy's had to deal with is is phenomenal. Um, and he's risen a fucking to fucking nine twenty nine and a one eighty eight. Like yeah. fuck me. Yeah. <laughs> Holy fuck. Pretty insane. Pretty insane. Uh, speaking of uh, award winners, uh, we have some to announce. The NHL finally got around to uh, announcing the remainder of, of the. I think the Big Four is that what we're calling it now? The Big Four, Big Four awards. Is that whatever? One, two, three, four, five. I guess five. The Big Five. Um. <laughs> Uh, if you don't want to talk about this, man, we, we just we talk about like basketball or I think I hear Michael Jordan's joining NASCAR. He's gonna be driving NASCAR or something. It's that's a that's a thing I think. But um, 
the freaking flu game, am I right? Yeah, there it is. Uh, the Vesna Trophy. Uh, goaltender of the year as voted on by the general managers. Uh, kind of a, a, a different one for uh, voting sake. Uh, your finalists, of course, Connor Hellebuck, Tuka Rask, and Andre Vasilevsky. Um, kind of uh, a shock to no one, I'm sure. Uh, Connor Hellebuck of the Winnipeg Jets takes this one home. Um, uh, a guy that uh, was getting a lot of heart trophy talk uh, at one point, never mind... Uh, uh, you know, just the best goalie in the league. He was the the team MVP as as well. Um, open and shut case here. Obviously, we got Vasilevsky who's still going strong now. We just you know had the Smythe talk to Karask. Uh, that's a that's a dicey one you know, conversation you don't really want to get into. But I, Hellebuck from the beginning was the right call here. Uh, I mean, it should have been. Yeah, that's. Um, I mean, that's that's the way I I. I think it should have gone um the the voting for me was was kind of an interesting one this year because um we've seen it in years past where there's four or five guys kind of fighting um you know for their nominations and this year like the voting was largely uh like hellebuck won in a freaking landslide this year right and um i was just surprised because this is an award that i find uh it doesn't, it's not that they get it completely wrong every year, but it's always, like, the guy that I would have had, like, second or third on my ballot usually wins. So I was, I was honestly shocked to see that they got it right this year. Um, the voting had some very interesting decisions that I thought was, was fun. But these, they, they always do, right? Like, there's always a, you know, we'll get to with the Norris, but, like, there's always, like, one guy, it's like, how the how the fuck did Aki Berg get a third place vote for the fucking Norris or something? You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, there's always something entertaining, and uh, the goalie one I thought was kind of neat, but um, they did get the winner right, so I'll, I'll give them that. Uh, Connor Hellebuck, 10-1-2 uh, this year with a 9.49 in games where he faced 37 or more shots. Uh, obviously a large part of that due to the fact that uh, uh, all of the Winnipeg Jets defensemen from uh, the, a year ago uh, left and uh, jumped ship, if you will. Um, so he or jumped planes. Am I right? Ooh, wow. Am I right, folks? You guys see it? You guys see uh, Con Air? Anyone get around to seeing that yet? Get off my plane. Um, the Ted Lindsay Award, previously known as the Lester mm. B. Pearson. Lester B. Pearson, a uh, former Prime Minister of Canada. Uh, okay. Just a little little uh, tidbit there for for you folks at home. Um, this award is given uh, to the player uh, deemed uh, the MVP to his team, voted on by members of the Players Association. This this is one that I I, I definitely hold in a little higher regard than the Hart Trophy. Um, I think there's something special about being told by your opponents, uh, your teammates, your Rivals, uh, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, uh, that you know we deem you the best of us, uh, the 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 hero, uh, the the Avenger, if you will, uh, of of the public. Right. Uh, your finalists uh, were Leon Dreisaitl, Nathan McKinnon, and Artemi Panarin. And Leon Dreisaitl takes this one home, uh, joining Connor McDavid uh, as Ted Lindsay Award winners. Um, Obviously, it's hard to dive into 
this type of award and if it's the right call or the wrong call strictly because of the massive uh, you know voting that would have to go on in terms of these guys uh, going uh, player to player to, to, to figure out who gets the award. You know what? If the, if the players think that Leon Dreisaitl is the MVP, uh, then you know it's hard to say that they're wrong. You know, it's, there's large large sample of, of guys there. They would know you'd think best when it comes down to this type of situation. But by all accounts, I think you and I are kind of uh, well documented that uh, you know, Leon Dreisaitl, for uh, as good as he is, and you know he's an amazing talent, um, probably didn't have as good a case as these other two guys that, that that's a, a fair assessment uh that that dry didn't didn't have as good a case as mckinnon and, and panarin um well i mean th- this see i'm i'm more okay with dry winning this uh than i would be with him winning the heart uh which he may or may not have done i guess we'll see Ooh. when we get there um because the definition of the award is the most outstanding player in the regular season, and that to me makes more sense with what Drysaitel did this year than the whole most valuable to his team thing. And I I don't know if that even really makes sense, but it's one of those things where it's just like I don't think that he's the most valuable player to the Edmonton Oilers, but I do think that he had a very good season. And for him to win the heart on what uh, again is was not a like a, a great team like that to me would be kind of more bizarre than him winning this. This is one of those awards where it's just like I don't I I I don't necessarily agree with who they pick every year, but this is a guy that they play against. Most of them play against several times a year. Sure, if they think he's that good, great, but. I'd I'd be willing to wager that there are people not playing in the NHL that actually have more of a clue on how these guys are because they actually watch them play some nights where, you know, you play against a guy for 20 minutes a night twice a year, yeah, you'll get a really good sense of how good he is for sure, but what do you know about the other 80 games that he he played? And, And the answer for a lot of these players is nothing. So it is a little weird in that sense, but also they're NHL players and they're they're not uh, stupid when it comes to uh, analyzing their peers. It's fine. I don't I don't really care about this award, quite honestly. It's it's whatever. Hmm. Uh, the James Norris Mortal Trophy, uh, voted on by the Professional mm-hmm. Writers Association for the NHL's top defensemen. Uh, your finalists were John Carlson, Victor Hedman, and Roman Yossi. Um, I'm not going to lie to you. I really thought that this was uh, in the bag for John Carlson. The uh, Writers Association seems to love their point-scoring defenseman, and, and John Carlson, by all accounts, had uh, the most of the most of the points <laughs> as far as defensemen go. Uh, this one instead goes to Roman Yossi, uh, who had a career-high 65 points in 69 games for the Nashville Predators. Uh, I... I, I believe when we discussed this last this was my pick uh roman yossi uh uh was uh, the guy i felt that you know uh, kind of uh was the best case out of the three i i think victor hedman is you know if, if we were voting tomorrow yeah he's he's probably talked himself uh, ahead of these other these other two at this point but um yeah 
I'm kind of shocked that Carlson didn't win it almost as much as I am that uh, the Yossi did. Um, yeah, I, I I don't know. Like I I I'm certainly getting the sense, at least with some of these awards, that you can feel a little bit of a shift in the way that the voting's being done, and and it's starting to make a little bit more sense analytically in in some regards. I mean, you know, again, like there are some hilarious fucking names that got uh, votes for the Norris this year. And in what world then some of these guys are uh, even close to being the best defenseman in the league, I don't really know. But um, I do think that there is an understand. Like, it's just... I would have I would have thought that if Carlson won it, that it would have been more a lifetime achievement sort of choice than it would have been based on what he actually did this year. I think pretty much everyone knows that he is not he was not the best defenseman in the league this year, and and um, I just I see names higher up in the voting this year that make a lot more sense to me than most years I find, and um, like I think the top ten is not in the right order, but the top 10 for the voting is correct. Uh, and so, like, that's a good sign to me. That's all That's all I would say, is I just, um, I'm happy with that, but uh, I guess for those of you who don't have the voting in front of you, like Roman Yossi, first place, uh, John Carlson, second, Victor Hedman, third, Alex Petrangelo, fourth, Jacob Slavin, fifth, Shea Theodore, sixth, uh, Dougie Hamilton seventh, Zach Wierenski eighth, Kale McCarr ninth, uh, Charlie McAvoy tenth. So I, I'm 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 good with that. Like I think that that's pretty much right. Uh, the order might not have been the way I would have gone. Like I I again I kind of forget what we did for for uh, the voting. I want to say I went Yossi first, Petrangelo second, Theodore third, but I I might have had Carlson third, Theodore fourth. I don't remember the exact order but um yeah I'm, I'm fine with Yossi winning it again it's a year where uh I mean this was for sure the best season he's had in the National Hockey League and a uh, good time to have it now because he's got that big contract big uh, so. yeah big uh shoes to fill so to speak I guess mm-hmm. moving forward mm-hmm. um that's right now I, I'm I'm gonna skip the Calder for a second here for two reasons uh one I think it was at the end of the day the closest of the awards in terms of which which guy was going to win it, and and second, I just I have a segue, so um, you know those mm-hmm. very important reasons that I just listed means that we're going to go to the Hart Memorial Trophy instead for league MVP. You heard him with the Ted Lindsay. It's uh, Drysaddle, McKinnon, and Panarin in the finals, and uh, Leon Drysaddle takes it home with 110 points. In 71 games, 13 more uh, than his teammate Connor McDavid, uh, the first German-born player to win the award. That's pretty neat. Ooh. That's pretty cool. No, no, no more of that Canadian bias. Am I right? Yeah, no love for freaking Danny Heatley. Am I right? Yeah. Um, Leon Dreisaitl. Look I, I, again. I, it's the exact same conversation we just kind of had. Uh, I think he's a great player. I think he had a fantastic season. I just don't think that the case against McKinnon and Panarin is strong enough for Dreisaitl to win this award. I think both those guys, at the end of the day, kind of deserve it more. Um, but uh, I don't get to vote, so that's that's that. Well, we talked about it before. It's just it's it's absolutely 
batshit insane to me that we can't even fucking agree who the most valuable player to this fucking team is, but this guy wins the award for being most valuable to his team when his fucking teammate is fifth in the voting. How the fuck does that make any sense? Like, if we if we collectively can't even agree who the most valuable player of that team is, then they shouldn't even be in the fucking conversation for the award. Like, that just doesn't make any sense to me. And I, and I would honestly say it's sort of the same thing for me with Pasternak and, and Marchand in, in Boston. Like, they're both in the top ten. We both, like, they're considered both to be almost equally valuable to the team. So, like, how is it an achievement, like, one over the other when they have each other? They play on the same line as each other. Like, that doesn't make any sense to me. It, it, to me, the award um, shouldn't necessarily embody the the guy who has the worst team around him, necessarily. But, like, when you have elite fucking players that you play with all the goddamn time, and you're getting votes on the same awards with each other, like, that doesn't, that just doesn't compute to me. I don't even, I, like, I'm pretty sure I went Hellebuck first... Uh, McKinnon second, Panarin third, maybe something like that, and then like Drysidel was like fifth or something for me. It's just one of those things where it's like, I would argue he was their most valuable player this year, but he wasn't valuable to the point that without him they were absolutely fucked because they have Connor McDavid and vice versa. You know what I mean? Like I just I feel like they detract from each other's case. And that's sort of the way the award should be in that sense. You know? Like, you, you shouldn't be punished for having good teammates. But if you can't clearly decide who the most valuable player to the team is, then you're not in conversation for the award. The, the award is who's the most valuable player to their team. And and we can't decide who that is. It doesn't make sense. Now, sh- should we maybe take the approach... I, I, I think this is the way to, to handle it myself, but... The same approach we have with the um, Masterton should we take with the heart, where every team gets to say, you know what, this was our fucking MVP. This is this is honestly our guy. yes, and I would love that. And now you you people go and vote on it. It's it wasn't yes. Connor McDavid. He doesn't get any votes. Yes, it was Leon Dreisaitl. He he can get the yes. votes. You know, to me that half makes of sense. these half of these fucking teams already have their own team specific awards. And they award best defenseman, best like best forward, best MVP. They already do that for the fans. So why not just make that MVP pick an official pick of the team? This is our guy. This is who we're. This is who we're voting for. And and maybe uh, some players take it personally. Okay, then don't have the general manager make the pick. Just have your fucking PR team make the pick or something. You know what I mean? I don't know. If just find like however you need to do it where it makes sense internally then do it but yeah you honestly you might be right the again Connor Hellebuck uh Connor Hellebuck being sixth in this voting but getting more first place votes than Connor McDavid to me is just like it it's just hilarious because it's one of those things with this award people can't decide what it is and what it isn't and it's never more evidenced in this award than when a goaltender has a case for it because we can't decide collectively as a, as a league how valuable goalies are or aren't to the league. And and that's never been more true than it is currently today. And Connor Hellebuck gets screwed in a year where 
15 years ago, he is a slam dunk choice as the MVP. But, you know, he has it in an era where it's like, well, you know, should he have even played 62 games? It's like, shut the fuck up. He played it. He played what he played. Give him the give him the award. He he certainly played what he played. There's no arguing with that. Uh, um, maybe everybody just saw Connor and they voted and they didn't check to see yeah. which Connor it was they were voting. I don't I don't. This is the only only answer I can come up with. Um, I can't remember. I can't remember who my top five was necessarily. Like, I feel like Drysaddle was fifth, but I had a guy fourth in it. Like, I can't remember if it was Eichel or if it was Matthews or who the fuck it was, but. Yeah. There was another guy. It was definitely Drysdale, Panarin, McKinnon, Hellebuck. You're right. Yeah, I, I can't really... I feel like I might have gone Matthews, like, fourth or something. Mm. Anyway. Mm. Um, the Calder Memorial Trophy for Rookie of the Year. Uh, this one was a two-legged race. It was Quinn Hughes... Uh, of Vancouver versus Kale McCarr from Colorado. Some guy named Dominic Kubelik uh, got the sympathy third place uh, uh, vote. Um, Kale McCarr wins. Um, he's the 12th defenseman to win the award. 116 of the first place votes for him. Uh, led all rookies, 50 points, 57 games. Um, I don't think that there was a wrong answer between those two guys. Um I, I think I probably would have gone Quinn Hughes. I think I did when we when we had our conversation about Yeah, you you went Hughes yeah. and I went McCarr. Yeah. But yeah, uh both guys are very deserving. Uh you know, it's one of those things. It, it, it honestly it's it's very similar to the Ovechkin Crosby year where it's like, yeah, well, okay, flip a coin. I don't know. Uh both guys had fantastic seasons. Both guys would be winners if they didn't have to, you know, compete against each other uh for the for the award this year, but um, yeah, that's not to take anything away from Kel McCarr. I, I, by all accounts, just unbelievable season after after the the brief glimpse of uh, you know what we saw last year when he or the year before, sorry, when he came into the playoffs there for uh, for Colorado, uh, looked fantastic then. Continued to look fantastic all year last year. Looked pretty good in the playoffs this year. I don't know if he was a little banged up. He didn't quite seem to have the the same pep in his step, but. Um, uh, big things from from uh, Kale McCarr moving forward. I think uh, uh, in in his career for sure. Yeah, I wanna I wanna meet the guy that voted Adam Fox first place. Um, that'd be Larry yeah, Rooks of the New Kale, York Times. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, you know what? I I will I will say this. I think with McCarr. Uh, and Hughes, I, I'm, I'm sure there were a few people that had their mind made up um, a little quicker and and didn't consider how close the, they actually are because Makar is just, as a, as a player, more pleasing to the naked eye. Like, he just is. Like, you watch Quinn Hughes and he really doesn't blow you away. And Makar does. What Hughes does is a lot of little things that um, you know, if you're, if you're, uh, more trained at watching hockey, I guess you would see and, and appreciate what he does more than a casual fan would, I think. Like I, I just, I cannot remember watching a, a Vancouver game where Quinn Hughes did more than one thing in a night where it blew me away and would have blown everyone else in the room away. You know what I mean? 
but I'll watch him and be like, holy shit, like, his gap control's awesome, and, like, he, he's a perfect passer and all this stuff. But Makar is faster, Makar is flashier, Makar is more fun to watch, quite honestly, and so I think part of that is why he won the award by such a significant margin. Um, I don't think he's that much better than Hughes, though. I think Hughes is maybe a little more well-rounded, even though I still think Makar is probably the better defenseman. But Makar is better defensively without the puck, I think. Maybe Hughes is better with it defensively. It's kind of a wash offensively, even though Makar is um, more of a puck carrier and Hughes isn't. I don't know. They're they're very contrasting styles in it. It makes the uh, it makes the debate very interesting, I think, too. But um, no matter what, I'm very excited to watch both of them and Heiskanen and Adam Fox and maybe Rasmus Dahlin uh, for a lot of years. So, uh, Kale McCarr, uh, oh, sorry, Quinn, Quinn Hughes may not have won the Calder Trophy, but he is uh, already the best defenseman in Vancouver Canucks history, so he does have that over Kale McCarr for the time being. No love for Yerke Lume. Uh, eh? Not a lot, no. Not going to lie to you. Um, Former Toronto Maple Leaf, great. So Kale, Kale McCarr gets the gets the Calder. Quinn Hughes does not, which leads uh, leads me to a game. Leads me to a little, oh, little quiz Christ. game for, for you, Brutes. Uh, you'll yeah. recall we did a game. Had to had to throw one in there in an episode that I had no intentions of editing. Oh, That's yeah. great. Yeah, no, for sure. Thank you. Um, Thank you. You don't have to edit this. It's fine. Um... The uh, you'll recall the not so single singles game from way back when when we had you uh, no. figure out which player nope. did not have uh, or sorry had the most uh, cups uh, in in that game. Uh, this is a, a twist on that. It's the not so great beginnings game. So I'm going to give you three names, and I want you to tell me which of them did not win the Calder Trophy, uh, a la Quinn Hughes. So you're going to get three names, two Calder winners, one. Did not. Uh, do you have any questions with the the format? Yeah, I just got to know the Car- Calder winners. Oh, good. Pretty yeah. much. Okay. It's uh, not bad. If you're ready, uh, I'll, I think I got I'll a good handle on Calder oh, winners good, too. But good. we'll see. Okay. How long's the award been around? Since 1943. Oh, this might not be too good. Well, I didn't go back too far. Uh, um, not a great knowledge of Howie Morenz. Ooh, I don't think he won. Um, yeah. All right, your first trio. Ed Belfour, mm-hmm. Patrick Waugh, Martin Brodeur. Mm. Mm. Three big-time Hall of Fame goaltenders. I believe it is Marty Brodeur. Uh, that is incorrect. Uh, Marty Brodeur mm. did take on the Calder in 1994. Uh, with the New Jersey Devils, Patrick Wall. Oh shit! No, I'm uh, sorry. I was ge- I was thinking two of them didn't win, and I was guessing the guy who did. Hmm. Uh, so I guess that counts as getting it wrong. But I definitely I know Marty Berder won a Calder. Okay. Um, fuck. Well, I guess just for for fun, I would say that Waugh didn't. Yeah, that'd be correct. Yeah, uh, Ed okay. Belfour won it in '91. I'll still Black take Oaks. an incorrect on that okay. one. No, that's fine. That's my fault. Round two, I got three Russian players here for you. We got Ilya uh, Kovalchuk, right. Evgeny Nabokov, right. and Sergei Samsonov. God. 
I mean, all right. So here's here's the problem I have is uh, I was fairly confident. No, that's that's not right. I uh, it's Sergey Samsonov. I'm pretty sure. So your final answer. Yeah, did didn't win a Calder, Sergey Samsonov. Uh, that is also incorrect. Uh, mm. Sergey Samsonov won the 1998 Calder Trophy with the Boston Bruins. That's fucked. Uh, Evgeny Nabokov took it home in 01 with the Sharks. Uh, Ilya Kovalchuk never won a Calder. Now, uh, I, I would like to protest the question because uh, Evgeny Nabokov never actually won the Calder Trophy. Uh, it was uh, John Nabokov won the Calder Trophy. It actually says John Nabokov on his nameplate. On so. his nameplate. Okay, well, I don't have the nameplate, per se, in Fucking... front of me. I just have the... Uh... Remember, remember when that guy moved to, to North America and thought changing his name to John would, help. would be less yeah. confusing? And then everyone was like, wait, why is this fucking Russian guy named John... And they're like, oh yeah, well, even more confusing. He's not actually from Russia. I'm like, oh, even better. That's even more confusing now. This guy knows we've dealt dealt with, uh, you know, Krivo Krasovs and uh, yeah, and, and stuff you know what? Like that. Also, also going to protest this because uh, he's not actually Russian. So mm. there's that too. Uh, born under the this USSR flag, I suppose. But um, brutal question. I don't see how that helps you um, in any manner. <laughs> Um, I just, yeah, yeah. Well, I thought it was a trick question, yeah. all right? All right, I got a trio of defensemen here for you next. Nice, um, Kale McCarr <laughs> do, did win. Quinn Hughes. Okay. Yeah. yeah, didn't win. Uh, Brian Leach, Al McInnes, and Ray Ooh. Bork. Raymond Bork! <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure... Oh, man. The problem is... Okay. I I See, the thing that always messes me up with Bork is my initial thing is, did he enter the league the same year as Wayne Gretzky? And the the problem with that is, is if I remember correctly, that's it, it, it's irrelevant because Gretzky never won the Calder. So... I guess technically speaking, it, it, it that does me no good. Um, I'm gonna say Bork won it. Who were the other two? Leach and who? McKinnis. Phil Housley, McKinnis, McKinnis, or Leach. I'm gonna say that Brian Leach never won the Calder, and that uh, McKinnis and Bork did. Final answer. Yeah. Uh, that is incorrect as well. Uh, Raymond mm. Bork did win it in 1980, the uh, the year of the oh, okay. Wayne Gretzky rookie season. Uh, Brian Leach took home the honors in 89 with the New York Rangers. Uh, no Calder for Al mm. McInnes. Okay. Uh, I've got a trio of uh, Dynasty Islanders for you next here, Brutes. Uh, uh. Uh, Mike Bossy. Brian yeah. Troche or yeah. Billy Smith? I don't know anything about Billy Smith. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I I feel very confident that Troche probably did. Mike Bossy was a high pick, but I don't. I for some reason I feel like his rookie. No, his rookie year he did score a lot. He must have won, but. 
was his rookie season also the Bork year? Because I guess it'd be around then. Or Billy Smith. This is a tough one, I think. Hmm. And the problem is, is I'm not even, I don't even have evidence that Trottier did win it. I just, it just feels like a thing he would have done. So I really, I really have no clues here. Um, If it does help you, uh, teammate Dennis Potvin did win the award in 1974. That's, that's excellent. Um, I... I fuck. I feel like Billy Smith must have won it. I don't know. That just seems like a weird name to throw in there. Uh, let's go. Let's go. I'm gonna say that. Uh, you know, no. I'm gonna say Billy Smith never won it. I just I gotta trust my gut on that one. Final answer. Yeah, final answer. Oh, that is correct. Billy Smith never won the Calder. Brian Trotchett took it home in '76. Good. And Mike Bossy took it home in '78. Three. Calder trophies mm. in six years for the Islanders. Uh, no wonder they won all those cups. Um, Must be nice. Three European players for you here. Uh, we got Peter Forsberg, Yammer Yager, and Daniel Alfredson. Oh God! Uh, didn't Alfredson have an absolute hog shit rookie season? I feel like he did. Hog Forsberg. Shit. Hog shit. Forsberg and who? Yager Alfredson. Yager. Hmm. I, I, I feel pretty confident that Forsberg won the Calder. And I'm fairly confident that Alfredson just never did. Because um, I just like... Another thing is too is when... With his Hall of Fame argument, uh, like, I just feel like the argument being that he had never won a major trophy. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go Daniel, Daniel Alfredson. Final answer. Hmm. Okay. Uh, that is incorrect. Uh, Daniel Alfredson won the award in 1996 with the Ottawa Senators. With, uh, uh 28 points. Right, uh, 23 goals, I believe. 26 goals, 61 points. Dead puck era, you know. Uh, Peter Forsberg yeah. t- took home the award in 95 with the uh, Quebec Nordiques, now defunct. Uh, I don't know if you heard about that. And uh, Yarmer Yager yeah. never took what home there? the honors. I believe he lost uh, to uh, Sergei Makarov uh, in 1990. Right. Yeah. Oh, right, the famous Makarov year. Yeah. All right, I got two more for you here: um, Patrick Marlowe, Chris Drury, and Scott Gomez. Three late '90s centermen busting oh. the scene. Oh yeah, well Gomez won it 100. percent I know that, um, and I'm I'm fairly confident that uh, that Chris Drury did. Who was the other guy? Patrick Marlowe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm gonna say Patrick Marlowe never won the Calder. Wait. As soon as I said it, it sounded wrong. Um. Fuck. You, you gotta throw Drury in there, eh? Like, I, I fucking summed about Drury. Yeah, whatever. Let, let, nope, no Patrick Marlowe. Fuck him. No Patrick Marlowe. Um, he'll probably go down as the uh, player to play the most games in NHL history, but Patrick Marlowe 
uh, not so great beginnings. No Calder for him. Uh, Drury took it home in '99 with the Avs. Gomez the following year with the Devils. All right, we got one more for you here. We got three Hall of Fame legends: um, Luke Robitaille, Joe mm-hmm. Newendike, Doug um, Gilmore. Oh. I uh, wouldn't have thought any of them won the Calder, so that's cool. <laughs> All right. Uh, clearly, two of them have. Um, uh, okay, Joe Newendike, I could see. Uh, Gilmore and who? Luke Robitaille. Robitaille. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go. Doug. Uh, Doug Gilmore never won it. No, that's also correct. Doug Gilmore never took home the Calder Trophy. Uh, Luke Robitaille <laughs> doing so in '87 with the Kings and Newendike. In '88 with the Flames, so there you go. You got the three hardest right. one ended up being the easiest one yeah. for me. So. You got three right. You got three wrong, and and we'll contest the uh, the first one there uh, on a rules uh, query. So uh, not bad, not bad, pretty good, pretty mm. pretty good. So I kind of won. Kind of. You, you didn't. How how about you didn't lose? Is that is that yeah yeah that works. So you might you might even say that it's the same as like if I were to let's say like win a Stanley Cup in a in a bubble uh, COVID year. Mm. You know? Well, I don't like, know if did it really happen. <sighs> All right. Um, one more thing before we uh, get to our overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite this week. Um, or I guess not one more thing. We got a couple, a couple things all in the same type of type of sphere. A couple guys that we know uh, look to be departing from their uh, long-standing team relations. Uh, Jimmy Howard, first off, uh, doesn't sound like he's going to be back with the Detroit Red Wings uh, next season. Um, probably the best for all parties involved here on that one. I'd have to say. Um, mm-hmm. Jimmy Howard spent a lot of time in Detroit, and uh, he's put the he's put the miles in, and uh, you know he's got the cup and all that. But I, I think it's probably best to just move on, and uh, maybe hopefully I don't know start fresh might be a little uh, you know generous for a guy that's already thirty six, but maybe he can land on his feet somewhere else and and take a crack at getting his career back on track. What do you think? Uh. Yeah, I uh, I gotta be honest with you. I kind of think uh, I'm not gonna blame him for what happened in Detroit this year, but I I, I kind of think Jimmy Howard's probably toast. I don't. Uh, I just don't really think that he's a smart use of a roster spot at this stage. Um, he might be worth a training camp invite, but short of that, I don't. I don't really understand um, how teams think that they can't do better than that. Um, listen, like, it's just a situation of a guy who I think maybe stayed a little bit too long in Detroit, too, and I, I sort of wonder if, you know, if he's still mentally, um, interested in all of this, it's, it's, it's hard to say, but, I mean, he's 36, he'll, he'll be 37 midway through, you know, presumably midway through next year, so, I don't know, like, I just, I don't know, uh, if there's a team that, uh, you know, like it would feel confident with him being their their one B because it seems like that's where the league is moving is one A's and one B's and kind of, you know, we're gonna need to have sixty sixty four goaltenders in the league soon that are able to play on a regular basis and I just I don't really know if Jimmy Howard's in the top sixty four at this stage which is 
Uh, unfortunate, because I do like him, and a year ago I thought he would have been a very good deadline pickup. But, um, I mean, one thing that you, you can't take away from him if you're a Detroit Red Wing fan too is, is his loyalty to the franchise is just honestly shocking after, um, you know, a, a lot of years where, you know, he, he maybe wasn't the number one and could have gone somewhere else and could have signed another deal elsewhere and could have waived a no trade clause and everything. And he just wanted to stay in Detroit of all places. Um, so I, I, I think that's pretty cool. Like in the, another thing too, is like in the years, uh, where he was a starting goaltender, like it took him until his sixth year in the National Hockey League to ever get pulled. Like that's that's pretty impressive that to is, me. That is pretty wild. Um, yeah. So I, uh, I, 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 he's had a great career, but I, I do think he's done. Hmm. Um, staying on track with our uh, elder statesman of the league, Miko Koivu, hmm. reportedly will no longer be returning. Uh, for his 16th season with the Minnesota Wild, kind of kind of surprising. Like it, I, I think it's tough for a, a team to walk away from a player, um, especially one that's spent so long. Uh, the captain of your franchise, I believe, he's the franchise leader in games played. Like this isn't a case where Miko Koivu is saying, you know, thanks guys, I, I want to go chase a cup. This is a team that's saying essentially, you know, we we don't really. You know, want to continue this? You know, we, we think we're going to move on and 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 shift focus, and especially after dealing Eric Stahl a week ago, like obviously yeah. big changes here. How how good must it feel to be Miko Koivu and a team trades for a, a, a fucking barely NHL winger? Uh, overpaid that has no real experience playing center and we're like hey buddy you remember all those years you put in with the franchise yeah we're good we got fucking Marcus Johansson now bro like have fun on have fun in free agency like like a fucking slap in the face man like I I, I don't know I, I'm not saying it's like uh, it's gutless either I mean it's business is business but it's just bizarre to me that it's like uh, you know, th- we made these moves and now we feel confident th- at center and we don't need you around anymore. Like, I don't know, like you, you, your top three centermen and one of them is, one of them is a full-time centerman. So wouldn't you maybe want to have Miko around and, and you know what I mean? Sort of experiment there and, um, just, just sort of a bizarre thing to me that they're letting him walk. I don't know if it's a situation of, um... The Wild are really going to try to be younger next year, um, you know, and have room for their younger guys to come up, but I don't, I don't really know who these younger guys are that are taking his ice time too, so it's, it's sort of bizarre to me, um, and you, you we know. don't know the, you know, behind the scenes, maybe he's, you know, sitting there going, I want 7 million next year, and, and the Wild are saying, sure. well, well, no, we, we can't do that, we're going to walk away, but... For a twenty-one uh, point centerman, yeah, I mean, fair enough. Sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, very, very good defensive center has never really been an offensive star or anything like that, but uh, conceivably can still, you know, is still a bottom six center in the NHL and would be an awesome pickup for for a contending team. I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, the big news, uh, the 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 hot tamale, if you will, uh, Alex Petrangelo. Mm. Doesn't sound like he's going to be back with the Blues next year. I don't know if that's been officially stated from the St. Louis camp, but Spicy there's been some pasta. Been, oh, but don't get me started. Um, there's been some reports uh, out. I believe Darren Drager from TSN stating that 
the Blues have more or less said to Alex, you know, we we uh, we can't uh, we can't afford your services. We think you should uh, pursue free agency. Uh, this, of course, coming on the heels of the uh, ludicrous um, rumor that the Blues had offered Petrangelo a $7.7 million contract with the agreement that he not know the terms of said agreement, which uh, might be, like, if if I didn't hear it from enough people, you know, in, in the same sphere, uh, would have been probably the craziest thing I've ever heard coming from like the initial rumor mill, uh, like wh- why would anyone do that? And, and you know, just the idea that a professional sports team would suggest it, uh, pretty uh, mm-hmm. pretty fucked up. Not gonna lie. Yeah, it's the same uh, same team that just gave uh, fucking Justin Falk six point five million dollars to folks. So uh, that's yeah. I mean, like cool. Like you, <laughs> you you gave you gave a at best uh, like like okay number four defenseman uh 1.2 million dollars less than what you're offering what i would say is probably like the second best defenseman in the nhl that's been with your team and captain you to the to a stanley cup that you really had no business even competing for like six months before you won it um yeah fucking really really bizarre like a a really strange way to kind of go out um to go out but i mean at the end of the day, like, this is more just a situation to me where uh, St. Louis managed their cap in a way where they knew that this day was coming. Like, they just, they knew it. And instead of pretending that that wasn't the situation, they basically said, look, here's this number. Um, do, you, do you like the number? And, and you know, we're going to give you a contract and hopefully you like the rest when you read it later. Like, in what world is Alex Petrangelo being like, ooh, you know what, yeah, uh, the the boat is a boat, but the mystery box could be anything. It can even be a boat! Like, in what world is he fucking taking the mystery box here? Like, it's just, it's, it's the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. So, uh, yeah, he's he's leaving, and uh, he, he, he should flip him the bird on his way out the door, as far as I'm concerned, because... Again, like, you know, they just decided to pay Marco Scandella uh, $3.2 million. Like, if you didn't decide to do that, and you bought out Gunnarsson, you have more than enough fucking money to sign Alex Petrangelo. It's just weird to me. I don't the, know. The like, timing. They're going to build their defense around fucking Justin Falk and Marco Scandella. Cool. The, the timing for me is is the probably the weirdest part about this, like, like, why not just hold out a couple weeks, get to the draft, see if something materializes on the draft floor, and then oh, say, yeah. hey, you know what, Alex, you know, free agency is in a couple weeks, we uh, we don't think we can make it work here, because, like, I think there's a lot of potential there to to move some pieces around if, if you're really that intent on keeping Alex Petrangelo. Like, if you're going to go to the lengths of, here's a contract, don't look at it, just sign it, you're desperate. So, if you're that desperate... Why not explore trading some of these deals that you're talking about? Well, you know, get get ready, you know, Mark, Marco Scandell out of there. I know he's got the no trade clause. That's you know the the big enemy here. Um, even a guy like Robert Portuzo, uh, love him, uh, local guy, fantastic. But you're paying him 1.4 next couple seasons. The guy's over 31. He's barely cracking the lineup some nights. Just move on from him. Like try to cut yeah. corners and 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 pinch money where you can. Well, and and but that's the problem, right? Is is they 
just signed Scandell to that contract. They can't turn around and trade him now. Like they, they literally just signed him to that. Why did they sign him to it in the first place then? Like I just don't get Well like like wait and see how the dominoes fall and then sign him to that contract. Like you know what I mean? Like I don't the time that you're right, like it's timing to me. It's just a whole bunch of little things where it's just like you know, like see if you can see if you can convince Tyler Bozak to take a trade like maybe he will you know i don't know that's five million dollars right there that that is freed up on a team that doesn't really need centermen like it's just i don't know man it, it and it's and the weirdest thing to me is just going back to the initial contract thing is if you're gonna offer this guy a deal and not really discuss the terms of the deal with him which is the, again like i've never heard of that happening in pro sports but sure fair enough uh why, like, in what world do you think that that is an enticing number to him? Because he is, he is in no fucking planet going to have to take less money than that. Yeah. there It just won't. Like, because I understand it's a flat cap, but as long as there's cap out there to be had, like, any team that finds out that they can get Petrangelo at, like, one year, eight million, because no one else has the cap space to sign him will trade for, like, any fucking $4 million player that they have to free up $4 million and they now have $8 million to sign Alex Petrangelo. Like, almost any team will move heaven and earth if it's just that simple to get him. And it's on a shorter term or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, it's just... I don't get in what world that's an enticing enough number for him to be like, ah, you know, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure everything else looks good. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. Pretty insane. Um... Well, uh, you know, I, I have no, I have no earthly idea. Like, I'm not one of those, those Leaf fans that's sitting here going, "He's coming home now, right?" You know, the Toronto boy, of course, we did it once. It's going to happen again. But uh, it's interesting. Like, you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's not a lot of teams out there as of today that's going to have space for him. So, just like St. Louis would have to do, I think a lot of teams are going to have to get creative if they want his services. And I'm just surprised that. St. Louis is so quick to dismiss the potential of uh, of bringing back their captain, uh, whom they just won a Stanley Cup with, by all accounts. Um, like I, I get the idea of maybe not wanting to sign a guy at, of his age to a longer team de- term sure. deal or whatever, but like he is the best player on the St. Louis Blues, and they are already committed to a bunch of fucking older dudes. Like, they're already on pace to be San Jose in a few years where they're just going to bottom out. Why not keep around this guy that actually might give you a run at another Stanley Cup? Because now, I, 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 I don't know if you see it this way. I know you like St. Louis a lot. I don't think they're even fucking close to a Stanley Cup contender without Alex Petrangelo. They're not even fucking close to me. So... Uh, like this is it. Like their they their window closes if he walks away, and by all accounts, he's walking away. Yeah, no, it's this is the type of guy that you don't you're not supposed to lose at this stage of your development in terms of building a contender. You're not supposed to get to the top of the mountain and then say, uh, "That's great, guys. Find your own way down." Like you're supposed yeah. to just like. Hey, let's let's hang out here and enjoy the view for a little while. And you know what? If 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 we never get to the same heights that we got, at least we stayed near the top for a couple of years. And this is this is quickly becoming a situation where this team is is going to have to really consider uh, breaking it all down, starting from scratch. 
which would be pretty ironic because then they'd have the money to afford to how to change those services. But uh, I digress. Yeah. Oh, boy, that was a long-winded way of getting through uh, uh, talking about the you next know, uh, uh, Leaf captain. Hey, you know who uh, you know who might have some uh, some cap space this off season is uh, uh, the Dal- the Dallas Stars. Could you imagine that? Colorado, here we go. Fucking, oh my god. Imagine Dallas did that. Like, I'm not saying they would, and I'm not saying Petrangelo would go there. That's, uh, that'd be fucked. That, that's like, that, that'd be like, <laughs> that'd be like if Pronger and Niedermeyer in Anaheim had, like, also Thomas Caberlet on another pairing or something. Like, that, that's just fucked. It's nuts. Every given minute, you would have Miro Heiskanen, John Klingberg, or Alex Petrangelo on the ice. Could you imagine? I think that's how it was supposed to work in San Jose with Burns, Carlson, and Vlasic. Ah, there it is. Didn't really come together. There it is. All right, that's uh, that's all the hockey talk. I think we have uh, the honky tonk, yep. if you will. Um, for this all week. of the honky tonk yeah. that we have, he says. Uh, it's time for the overrated, underrated, favorite, least favorite this week mm-hmm. uh we're doing 90s bands whatever that means yeah. um a little yeah. ambiguous i had to ask for clarification uh, it's fine little little bit up there uh, it's it's up to you at the, the viewers the listeners the people if you will to decide um what a 90s band is uh but we're gonna try to do it anyway and um uh if if you're ready uh you feel free to take it away yeah my my overrated is pearl jam uh i i don't i don't get it I just don't get it. Like, I don't... I'm not saying they're bad musically. It's just, like... They don't have a song that I find particularly interesting. Like, not not a single one to me. Like, they're all just... They're all very similar. They all have very little tune. It's just, like... They're... They're, they're to me, like... They're the band, and no one acknowledges it. Like, they are the grunge band that everyone makes fun of. Like, that is Pearl Jam, and no one admits that it's Pearl Jam, but it's like, every joke that people make about grunge is Pearl Jam to a T. And I just, I don't get it. Uh, They're not bad. I wouldn't say that they're my least favorite, either. Like, uh, we listen to, like, there's a lot of Pearl Jam at my work plays, like, all the all day like every 35 minutes there's probably a pearl jam song on and they're all fine they don't really have a song that i think is like bad necessarily but um i just don't get it like i don't see the appeal i don't think they're particularly interesting i like eddie vetter i like the sound of his voice that's pretty much where it ends for me Hmm. so pearl jam for me okay uh, the uh, the Smashing Pumpkins is my overrated nineties yeah. band. Okay. Um, they're fine. I don't agree, but I, 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 I get it. Um, this might again like I was gonna get like you don't agree. I, I, I can respect that. Uh, this this might have a little bit more of a personal connotation. My older cousins they fucking love the Smashing Pumpkins. This is the, the fucking epitome of rock bands. Uh, all I heard about when I was growing up, first getting into music, and uh, uh, I gotta tell you, never really lived up to the hype. So, um, I don't know. They're again, they're fine. They've got a couple good tunes. I don't really think Billy Corgan is all that great of a musician, even though Billy Corgan thinks he's the greatest musician in the history of music. So, um, yeah, a little, little overrated for those uh, those Halloween hunters uh, of the night. 
I, I don't I don't think you're wrong to say that they're overrated necessarily. I definitely uh, I definitely like them a lot more than I like Pearl Jam, but I, oh, yeah. I, I they are another band where it's just like I don't um yeah, like they're not they're not quite as good as as some people seem to think they are. Um my underrated I I I kind of didn't give this one very much thought because it's just been kind of on my mind lately. So I just kind of went with what I had been thinking about lately. Again, we listened to, it's funny like this was your suggestion this week. We listen to nothing but like 90s rock at work lately. Like it's just it's fucked. Like it's every day it's just nothing but 90s. So I also listened to a ton of Alice in Chains lately. Uh, and they would be my underrated pick. I think Alice in Chains um, is a band that gets looked at as a grunge band, and I can certainly understand why, because they're uh, from the land of grunge. But I I don't really look at them in that vein. I kind of look at them closer... Like, I don't really consider Soundgarden to be super grunge either. Like, they're kind of a mix of, like, progressive rock and grunge. And I I almost think of Alice in Chains as closer to Soundgarden than uh, than like a Pearl Jam or whatever. Uh, Alice in Chains is a very interesting band and makes a lot of very interesting choices with their music. And I think it's just fascinating. Like they don't have a song to me that's that's boring. And uh, every time I listen to songs that I've heard time and time again, like. There's just so many layers to their brilliance, I find. Um, I've heard them bones like 300 times in my life. Every time I hear it, I, there's just it just blows me away. Like I just I think that they're incredibly underrated. And uh, yeah, Alice in Chains. Cool man, good uh, good good pick for sure. Um, uh, underrated for me is Soundgarden. Um, my, nice, my That's my Soundgarden. Um, which which is interesting because they're maybe one of the most famous bands of the '90s, but well, maybe. But going back to your point, like they they do get grouped into that grunge um, group from the '90s. Like the you hear a lot about like the big four out of the '90s, and they've done this in, in decades past, where they they'll the 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 critics, the the people, they like to group bands into these four bands to find the decade and all this and. And Soundgarden always seems to get that respect of being in that that big four, but they're always they're always fourth. <laughs> it's like, well, you know, no one's putting them ahead of Nirvana, you know, or the Peppers. Like, very few of us are putting them ahead of like Pearl Jam, uh, except for those of us that know what we're talking about. But like, they're there. They're just never at the highest of the high. And I'm not sitting here saying that they are better than those bands, but I think because of that. They kind of get overlooked when you look at grunge. If you look at all of the '90s, perhaps they're on a more uh, well-respected or or fairly valued level. But because of the grunge thing, I think that they get overlooked a lot, and um, they they deserve a, a little bit more, uh, in my opinion. So, sound my sound garden. Yeah, they're they're brilliant. So, yeah, that's that's fair. Uh, I couldn't, I couldn't really pick, um, for sure who I wanted to go with for my, my favorite 90s bands, uh, so I, I will, I will preface this by saying, I have, I just, I have a hard time 
narrowing the tragically hip down to a decade. I don't really think that they're a 90s band, but I don't particularly think that they belong to either of those, like, any other decade. And it's sort of the same problem I had with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Like, I just find that both of those are two bands that uh, their success has spanned several decades, and I can't really narrow down to which era I would say that their biggest success necessarily came. Uh, So I didn't go with either of them. And I'm not really sure if they would have beaten either of these two bands, so it just that would have been tough. Uh, my favorite, I, I I just went with Nirvana and Rage Against the Machine. Um, I just I've never fallen out of love with Nirvana since I was like 14 years old. I've just always uh, found their music uh, somewhat simplistic, but also very interesting, and also not that simplistic too. And um, like, it's just, honestly, it's kind of funny. Like, my favorite album name of all time probably is is Nevermind. Like, I just, I, th- I think that's a fucking deadly uh, title for an album. Um, especially given the content of the album. Like, it was just, it embodies it perfectly. Rage Against the Machine, uh, strictly a 90s band, pretty much. Because they uh, weren't around before then, and they didn't make it out of the 90s. So, uh, yeah, those those would be my, my two favorites, I would say. Okay. Uh, for the record, I, I do classify the Tragically Hip as a 90s band, um, but I, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm taking them off the board. I, I'm putting the hip into the vault, I think. Anytime that we get to a category and I get to the favorites, if the answer is the hip, it's, it's coming off. It's, it's going, it's, it's been retired, it's been mm-hmm. lifted to the rafters. I, I gotta come up with new answers, otherwise I'm just gonna talk about the same Three, That's fair, and, and and I should also mention, because you and I talked about this not on the podcast, but uh, I asked you earlier if you would consider Third Eye Blind to be a 90s album, or a 90s band, and you, you said no, and as a, like, the, the criteria was when did their biggest success really come kind of thing, and for Third Eye Blind, the answer is the 90s, um, but most of their work actually came in the 2000s. Uh, and even now, they actually their most active decade is the 2010s, believe it or not. Um, so I just couldn't go with them as a 90s band, but I'm sure everyone out there listening knows that they're my favorite band, so I also asterisk, I guess. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, we'll just pick a bunch of bands as our favorites. You know what? Candlebox. Let's add Candlebox yeah, to the list. let's do it. Velvet Revolver. Uh, James, I don't think they formed until '04. Wow, well, fuck it, they're a '90s band. I don't know, they were all right. They were all the making 90s. music in the '90s, just different under different names. So I went, uh, I went Blink 182, another band that I think wow could fall That's into crazy the 2000s, but I think their biggest success came in the '90s. I personally, I, that's that's, that's how I see it. Uh, my favorite stuff by them came from the '90s, so. Uh, I, stu- I stuck it up with Blink-182 as my favorite 90s band. Re, uh, reshaped the landscape of, of rock to some degree. We, we got the punk explosion with uh, with Blink-182. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, my, my least favorite... I gotta tell you. Okay? Hmm. There is a little part of me that thinks that this band is sort of what started the whole uh, hating Nickelback is cool sort of thing. Because before it was cool to hate Nickelback, it was 
really cool to hate Creed. Okay? Okay. I also am willing to acknowledge, though, that they are... They are not great. Part of me is able... Like, I'm not the type of Creed hater where it's like their songs come on and I need you to turn it off, though. You know what I mean? I couldn't think of a 90s band where I feel that way. Like, I think I like most of 90s music. Uh, so I would say Creed was pr- is probably my least favorite of the 90s because I, I don't have any of their music on my on my phone. But I, I like, you know, I can I can fuck with their music a little bit here and there. But I, I just, uh, I choose not to listen to it on my own time. Uh, so they would be my least favorite, I would say. Because I only know, I think, I can only remember four songs. And uh, I don't really care to listen to any of them. Hmm. Okay. Uh, not, not a bad pick, not, not gonna lie. I, I did not realize that... Uh, half of their albums were in the nineties. I'm not. I, I kind of thought they had two albums, and they were both in the two thousands. So uh, that just shows you mm-hmm. how much I'm paying attention, I guess. But yeah, you might even say that you're down to one last breath. Well, I'm one. To, I'm down to one last category. I, I can tell you that, mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> that that would be my <laughs> least favorite. Uh, and my least favorite is Pearl Jam. Uh, those guys fucking suck. Um, I, I didn't realize you hated Pearl Jam. I, That's I, cool. I don't like Eddie Vedder. I don't like his voice. I don't like the the songs he writes. I don't like the the, the music they play. I think he's it's just a boring. Cool dude. Like he's yeah he's yes some, yes he's, he's some, cool. He's got some cool takes and he does some cool things. But uh, his music is not that fun. Never really enjoyed it. The only actually, well, I I wouldn't say that. I like I like his solo stuff a lot. Actually, Ugh. I think it's really good. But um, the only the only Pearl Jam song that I listen to with regularity at all is Sirens, and that was a song that he was gonna put on his solo album and didn't. And then they put it out as a Pearl Jam song, and I'm like, oh, yeah, cool. Is their best song was uh, was technically not even theirs. Um. So yeah, I I yeah, I think it's a good pick. Thanks, man. I gotta tell you, I agree with you. It feels right. Yeah. So you're 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 telling me that you would rather listen to uh, uh, Human Clay by Creed uh, as opposed to any Pearl Jam album. Uh, what's on Human Clay? I don't know the albums. Uh, Human Clay is uh, we got higher. Can you take me high? And uh, we got uh, With Arms Wide Open. With Arms Wide Open. The bar's wide open. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, There's also a song called What If, which I feel like I've I've heard back in the day, but I don't... Like, I didn't didn't hate Creed when I was, like, a teenager. I'm like, yeah, you know, whatever. Because, like, I was naive, right? I'm like, oh, well, Creed was big when I was a kid, so everyone must like them. And then as I got older, I'm like, oh, no... Everyone hates Creed. Yeah. I don't know. They got some good music, I'll say that. I I do like one last one one last breath. I'll I'll say that. Okay. I think it's good. Okay. But, yeah. Cool. Okay. Alright. Well RIP Creed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um okay. Well, that's that's it for this week. I again, I know I said it last week. We didn't know what was going to be happening for recording this week. We didn't know when we would be around, uh, if we would be around. So we did this one today. 
I don't necessarily know what the plan is for next week either. Um, again, we're just kind of on a little bit of a weird, uh, weird sort of schedule thing right now, me and James. So it's 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 getting to be hard to find time to record. Um, we won't have time for the remainder of this week, so that this will be it for this week anyway. But uh, as for next week, we'll we'll have to see. It, it it's going to be hard to hard to say. So. Um, all I'm saying is, if you're a, if you're a Dallas Stars fan or a Tampa Bay Lightning fan, I don't know any that listen to this podcast, but I'm wishing your teams all the best and health and happiness. And uh, uh, I know a guy who is a Lightning fan, and his dad is a Stars fan, and I'm fully expecting him to get kicked out of the house at some point in the next few days. So it should be good. That's too bad. Yeah. Well, okay. whatever. Cool, man. Well, um, I guess that's that. I. Uh... I, I hope you uh, all remember the 21st night of September, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk to you next wow. time on the Lace wow. Up Hockey Podcast. Wow, and now I have to edit it at fucking outro. This is great. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> Fuck yeah. This is, yeah, no, I don't need to be up in eight hours. That's fine. Ah. All right, good night. See ya.